We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Swagger from the corner. Yes! And the foul! Is he having himself an afternoon? Swagger feeling his third three already. On the drive goes Patty Casey for the basket. <laughs> Backdoor cut Swider with the jam. This is Swider in close. And one. Welcome back to the Swider Show. This speaks a little different. Uh, trying to trying to get it together. All the all these guests been tough. Playoff time. Everyone's locked in. So we're just gonna go a little pre-game five setup episode. Not like a Draymond episode, but but, but kind of like a pre-game five episode. So uh, me and Patty here with with Adam. We're all gonna give our takes on the playoffs so far, and then some other playoff series, and and obviously the huge Laker run that we're going on. So so uh, so yeah, fired up. Yeah, I think. Uh Sheridan graced us with his presence this week, which is always a treat. But, uh, Swider, your birthday was, what, two days ago? Two days ago, yep. As, as we're taping this, happy birthday from the Swider show to you, from the fans to you. Um, yeah, happy 24th. We would sing to you, but I feel like we're all just real bad singers, so they, they'd get awkward quick. They'd be bad podcasting. Hey, no, we're good, man. I, I got a lot of nice birthday uh, texts, but nothing better than the Swider show birthday text, so... Yeah, of course. The graphic that Adam put out was great. Um, My biggest question, though, I'm sure everyone saw we reposted on Instagram at Swatter Show if you don't follow yet. But uh, we're actually we're on the brink of a thousand followers. That's like the biggest thing in sports media right now is when Swatter Show will get to a thousand followers on Instagram. But there was a video. um, It seemed like Max Christie and Scotty were leading the charge of singing "Happy Birthday to You." But was that uh, Phil Handy was in the back? Was that the South Bay locker room, or was that the the big squad? Was that the full team? That was the real deal. That was that was the real locker room right there. Let's fucking right after go. The game. That is huge. Uh, yeah, so it was it was it was a Lonnie Walker type celebration after the game. Obviously, we'll get into that later. But um, after that, yeah, they, right. They brought in the birthday cake. It had a little picture of me when I was playing a little YMCA ball. I was probably five or six years old, and, and yeah, my mom's. My mom sent in the picture. Annabelle Padilla, who's who's our player services girl, unbelievable. She's unbelievable at her job. She's unbelievable yeah. at her job. She got that uh, taken care of. So yeah, it's it's been great. It, it was it was a great surprise. I wasn't expecting it just because obviously it was a, we were focused on the win and uh, not to sweat. <laughs> yeah, of course. That day. Yeah, but uh, it's always it's always kind of awkward when you're getting 
happy birthday saying to you. Like, you never know what to do with your hands, what to do for that, like, 30 seconds where everyone's just looking it's at like you. It's like Will Ferrell tugging at night. So, like, what, I, what do I do with my hands? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that, that pressure when uh, LeBron James and, like, Anthony Davis are the ones that are singing it to you. So, props to you, though. You look pretty comfortable. Yeah, I was trying my best, man. I was trying my best. Tell there's a there's a little there's a, there's a little blushing, there's a little sheepishness going on, but uh, trying to, trying to no, laugh solid. off the awkwardness, you know what I mean, just, just here and there. Right, of course. You looked like uh, you looked like a natural though. I'm sure they'll sing it to you next year because you didn't like fuck it up and ruin the whole experience. But <laughs> but you did mention it was it was the Lonnie Walker game. I don't know if anyone really saw that coming, to be honest with you, but. Just like excelling in your role, waiting on your opportunity. He hadn't been playing in a while. He was in the rotation for like the first half of the season. And then, uh, yeah, the pride of Reading PA comes in and just wins game four by himself in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real testament to Lonnie. Obviously, the whole entire year, he went from probably being our fourth best player, third best player, to um, mm-hmm. completely out of the rotation after, after an injury. You know what I mean? He came back from an injury, and we made all those trades, and he, he found himself out of the rotation, which was like – a shock just because based on how and how he was playing all year. So for all that stuff to happen, and then he he had a game late in the season that he helped us when he had 20 points. Next game he plays, doesn't play as well, then he's back out of the rotation. It's just a real testament to just being ready when your number's called. I remember one thing LeBron was telling us through, like early in the um, playoffs that like each series is going to call for different guys and different different people to step right. up. Um just going back to that 2020 Lakers run, you had a, a series where JaVale and Dwight Howard played a lot, and then you had a series where they didn't play a lot, right? This mm-hmm. this this postseason, we've had so many role players step up, but Rui in the Memphis series was huge for us, and then Coach Ham made an adjustment just because Golden State was playing smaller. He's like, "Hey, Lonnie, like you're gonna you're gonna get a shot." He actually told Lonnie that right before we were about to play Stay Ready a couple of days ago. We're, we're getting ready to Stay Ready, play Stay Ready group, which is all the guys who don't play. Um, Right, and sometimes it, it can be tough because it's the team just played last night. Like we're, we're waking up early on a Sunday, on a on a, on a Friday, on, on on one of these days, the day the day of the game, and you, you have to try and stay motivated to, to play. For me and Scotty, it's easy because this is like our game days, right? Like we, we don't have the opportunity. Right, to exactly. But for a guy like Malik Beasley, who's, who's out of rotation now, for a guy like Lonnie Walker, who's who who have had big games in the NBA, who have who have played well this season for the team. I can only imagine how hard that is for them to get ready and stay up and, and, mm-hmm. and actually give their best foot forward every single time. Lonnie's been great in these stay ready runs, but at the same time, it's like you know, all basketball players know like it's hard to stay in a rhythm. It's hard to be yeah. ready when your number's called every single time. And for and for guys like that, you kind of only get three, four minutes to show what you got. If you mess up, then you're not getting in again. So it's such a such a for Lonnie not to only. Lonnie has done this like multiple times now, so it just shows his professionalism, his ability, his, his talent mm-hmm. first and foremost, his professionalism, and the kind of work that he puts in on on a day to day basis. So um, overall, super yeah. happy for him. Hopefully, he has another type type of game like that tonight. <laughs> yeah. All fifteen points scored in the fourth quarter. So classic, classic performance. Yeah, it was nuts. It's, it's one of those things where, like. You look at LeBron teams in the past, like LeBron can almost like will you to wins in the playoffs no matter what. Now, he's so much more like meticulous in, in, in how he approaches each game and he lets guys just go out there and, and, and mm-hmm. have the ball. Like we've seen this with Austin at the end of games. Austin's coming off of pick and rolls with LeBron right. in the corner. Like before that wasn't happening, LeBron would let that happen. 
now he, he's like he's letting right. his teammates win. He's letting his, his teammates um, take the ball at the end of the game because he trusts them. So, I mean, it's a testament to right. him as well. Yeah, it's it's definitely needed too because you could tell we've talked about it before, but like he's calculating when he's going to have to turn it on and like really use his energy. So he's conserving it where he where he can. There's a lot more. Uh, I've noticed there's a lot more like someone will inbound it to him and he'll just immediately pass at half court, like pass half court, like so he can kind of like walk up and like be like, now this is not a possession where I really need to be running everything. But there was shades of uh, in like the old finals matchups. It's pretty classic. They'd just be like. All right, we, let's hunt Steph, like get him in a pick and roll, which is basically just the NBA in every single scenario. Um, there's a story on this podcast about one Luke, Luka Doncic doing that to uh, <laughs> to you, but it just happens every single game. It's just all mismatch hunting. The thing that was very impressive was, first of all, I thought Steph actually did a pretty good job on defense. Like It, it wasn't like he was getting cooked, and Lonnie was still just making these tough shots. He was wearing them down. And I thought it was uh, – the other thing was, like, AD and LeBron are playing such big minutes. And, like, you're saying, like, LeBron will defer to these guys sort of like he hasn't in the past. So Lonnie to do that for the last 12 minutes of the game. And then, um, I don't know, like, does AD have the energy at the end of the game to hold up on Steph twice in one possession if, like, he's having to do shit on offense? You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It was cool. Yeah. It was a classic playoff moment. I mean, he's a testament to our team. We've had guys step up the whole entire year. D-Lo – Rui, Austin, Lonnie this past game. I mean, you just had to be ready when your number's called, and it's a true testament to the team. Um, yeah, like you said, like LeBron and AD are playing heavy minutes. AD is the anchor of the defense. For him not to make a first or second team all-defensive team is absolutely absurd. He's the best defensive player in the league, without a doubt. Jaron Jackson Jr. is, a, is mm-hmm. a great defensive player. He's not He's not anywhere close to AD. AD is unbelievable. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, like Jim Boeheim right now, just, just – <laughs> yeah, I know. I was gonna say, but, but he's not even anywhere close. The to impact Anthony that Davis. he just has—that's true. The impact that he has on literally every single shot is insane. But for him uh, to be able to like to, to guard, to block every shot at the rim, and then go out and guard Steph for two straight—I mean, it was the same possession, but for two different instances in the same possession, shutting him down, like making him take really tough shots. One a freaking runner that went in and out. Like he, a step back runner that went in and out. I thought that was going it in. It looks yeah. great. It, it looks great for my for my yeah. view. And then and then the next he literally has to take like, like a thirty five foot step back, like mm-hmm. crazy fall away shot to, to even like for those two tough shots. And, and Steph can make those shots. And it's one of those things where you just got to tip your yeah. cap. Um, right. But yeah, man, it's just. Special. I was gonna say you 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 sitting you sitting on the bench. Like, is there a pit in your stomach when Steph releases that? Because I think opposing fans are like, oh, shit. Like, he, he could shoot the hardest shot in the world, and you still feel like it's just going to go in and be, like, the most heartbreaking thing in the world. But you're actually on the other team. Like, what's what's going through your mind when Steph releases it's that? It's every shot. I mean, him him and Clay. Like, it, it gets to a point where you can't even – unless it's, like, a wide-open shot, you can't even get mad. Like, there's there's points in the game where, where we play great defense, and Steph just – like, and, and they, allow, they allow Steph to use all of his off-arms for his step-backs and – and push-offs and all that stuff. Like, you're not allowed to... Oh, wow. You sound like... You sound like her. <laughs> but flipping yeah, it. You're allowed, they're, they're allowing him to do all the, all these things on the offensive end. And uh, he takes, like, that little, like, half step after his, his step back, too. So, I mean, it's really hard to contest those guys. And when they miss a shot, you're, it's all, you're almost... You're way more surprised when they miss when, when compared to when they make. Yeah. 
Steph hate? Is that what I'm hearing? Not as good as advertised? No, I'm not saying that at all. He's he's every bit as advertised. <laughs> no, I, I think I think the thing that's tough about when you rank Steph all time, the offensive talent, he might be a top three all time player off- offensively. I think when you get it is yeah when you get into trouble with ranking him in the top ten is that like like you said like they do we do try and get him in actions and pick on him every single time defensively so like I think that's when people get in trouble like when when they start doing the top ten because I mean LeBron plays more of a free safety role now he he plays that he plays like against Draymond because he knows the defense is so well and Draymond kind of plays that role too but he was a top three defender. At one point in the NBA, yeah. NBA, right? Anthony Davis, top five talent in the NBA, it's mostly because obviously he's special offensively, but it's mostly because how good he is, he is defensively. Same with Joel. Right. I think the reason why Joel Embiid won the MVP this year over Jokic just is the two way shit. It's the yeah. two way stuff. Like Embiid sing, single handed, like, is the top five defense every single year, like, without a doubt. And then he's, he's led the league in scoring. So how, how could he not be the most valuable player, right? Right. So. I, I, I think yeah. that's that's what makes the conversation with Steph a little, a little tough because offensively, like he's probably, I mean, with his handle, with his as shooting ability, with his finishing ability, even like his mid range shots, like he, there's really no weakness in his game. The other thing with uh, him, it's such an overused term, but his gravity actually is like it's unlike anything that's ever touched a basketball court. Like Jermichael Green in uh, Game Two, the one, only game you guys lost. He was legitimately shooting, like, practice, like, more open than practice. The closest person to him is, like, 30 feet away because it, it's just, like, we can't let Steph shoot the ball. Yeah, they, uh, one, one of our assistant coaches was, like, he, he was shooting Papa shot shots. Like, that's how open he was. Literally. <laughs> yeah, it looked like he was legitimately, like, in warm-ups. Yeah. Um, but, I don't know. The, the thing with Steph, though, is, like, it, it's kind of just his stature. Like, you, it's really hard to be a good defender right now when you're six foot three. I agree, and then obviously, I think I think the biggest thing for him is that he's he's ex- expending so much energy on offense. Like he literally is their offense. He has to bring the ball up against mm-hmm. Jared Vanderbilt. He has, to, he has to create all their offense. He had a triple double last game, and, he, and like, I think the most impressive part about this series for him is that he's played more probably on ball than he has in a, in a long time, just because of how we're guarding him and, and the length that we have on right. him, right? We're almost blitzing every single pick and roll, or, or, or we're, in a, we're in a coverage where we're picking him up pretty high. So he's hitting that pocket every single time, and then he's creating plays too. Like this is the most point guard Steph Curry's probably played since 2009, 2010, um, when he first got into the league with Monte Ellis. You know what I mean? Like this is like yeah. he, he's been more of like a combo off guard, obviously bringing the ball up every single possession, but like he kind of has to start the possession every single time, or else he might not touch it. Just just the way we're covering him. So I yeah. Think, that was like the big adjustment after game one. I, I think that's been the most um, impressive part. And like, like, I don't think Golden State's been, play, been playing like particularly bad. I mean, they're probably two. They're like two possessions away from winning, from winning two games. It could be three one the other way. I think the I think we're a, a mismatch for them in terms of like our size and length and overall just like what we provide on the defensive end. I think the biggest thing for us is if we score in that small ball lineup, like like we talked about before, like. It's almost impossible for, for them to beat us just just based off of just our, I think our talent and, and depth off the bench like we have a Lonnie Walker coming in scoring mm-hmm. 15 points off the off the bench they probably don't I mean Gary Payton had played well last game but they really don't have any bench production 
like that could really, really right. that could really do that. So I think that's been the difference in the yeah. so far. I, I actually feel bad for uh, for Jordan Poole. He's just been getting like lit up on Twitter and everything, but he, you could just tell he's lost his confidence. Um, but that's like the best part of the playoffs is figuring out series to series. It's just like, oh, this might not be a series for this guy. Like Looney was so impactful against the Kings. He was the second best player on the Warriors by far. And then in this series, it's like not the best matchup for him because they're trying to go small to combat and like bring AD far away from the rim. So um, I don't know. It's been pretty interesting to Very watch. Interesting. And even even so, like in game one, he had twenty three rebounds, and then they decided not to start him game two. Like it, the right. playoffs are so interesting. It's the highest level of basketball that there is, obviously. And uh, it's, it's been a pleasure to watch these guys just go out and compete every single day. So I mean. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm I'm excited for tonight. Game five tonight. Game five tonight. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for tonight, man. See if see if you close it out. If not, uh, back to crypto. Try and close it out there. But you did mention Swider. It could be three one in the other direction based off a couple of plays. Maybe Pool makes that shot in the first game. Steph makes one of those in game four. That does remind me of a series in the Eastern Conference um, between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. The Sixers last night, Tuesday night, just beat the absolute piss out of the Celtics in TD Garden. Um, as we've mentioned, Adam Lewis, producer, Celtics super fan. Um, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to defend your boys here? Because that was not the best look at them. Sure. Yeah. So leading into the game yesterday, I was thinking like, oh, we're gonna win by twenty. You know, we're at home, and this is a chance to just jump out ahead. Then you might screw up in game six. You're still at home for the game seven. And it did not go that way. So uh, we, uh, we dropped game five. But uh, here's what I'll say. We have a very successful year last year in the finals, um, making the finals because we won uh, multiple game sevens, two game sevens versus the Heat and the Bucks. And if you remember in that Bucks series, we dropped uh, to down 3-1. I'm sorry, 3-2, three, three, two. Three, two, right? Yeah, down 3-2 to two in the buck series so eventually you have to think like there's got to be some road where tatum and Jet brown can win the next two games especially winning tomorrow night and getting to a game seven you know you might go back to right. boston and then they lose but like tomorrow night i'd be very surprised if they don't at least put up a fight it's like five point game in the fourth or better for boston that's what i'll say Swatter, what what are your thoughts there how much do you think it how relevant do you think last year's buck series is I mean, they've done it before. Obviously, the majority of those guys are back. They added Brogdon, so they've had a lot of experience in these type of situations. So I think that is, like, something that you can go back to. Obviously, the coach is different. The situation is different. Um, you are playing against a big, like, like you know, Antetokounmpo compared to Embiid. They're totally different. Um, mm-hmm. I think the biggest, the biggest thing about the series is going to be, is James Harden going to close out? the Celtics, right? Because he's won two games. Everyone's like, all right, it's Embiid's turn to win these last two games. Harden, Harden did his job. Yeah. Um, Embiid was ridiculous last night. One thing I want to talk about is that like, the NBA is so funny because We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You think about just the way people were talking about Doc Rivers going into that game four. Like, this is basically like a make or break like game for him, right? So... Mm-hmm. James Harden makes a three at the end of the game. They win the game by one point. That's one possession, right? If Marcus Smart, if Jason Tatum passed the ball to Marcus <laughs> yeah. Smart a second earlier, like we're having a totally different conversation about the 76ers, about Doc Rivers as a coach. Like it just shows you how fragile this thing is and like how fragile sports mm-hmm. is, right? Like let's say for a couple of years ago, like this prime example, Mike Budenholzer just gets fired. A couple of years ago, he, he would have got fired if Brooklyn maybe stayed healthy and beat them in in that series. When the series looked like it was far and over. Or if Kevin Durant makes a three instead of a two in that series to hit the overtime instead of winning the game. Completely different conversation. Different conversation. He was 100% gone. It's a completely different conversation. So I think just like the overall narrative of, of sports, like going into this Boston series, right? Like you think of Joe Mazzulla as, as having an unbelievable first year. Let's – Let's say they win this game, go into game seven, they lose by one against a really good 76ers team. Our conversation is different about Joe Mazzulla. Is he the right guy? They lost in the second mm-hmm. round. But at, mm-hmm. the, at the end of the day... That's already starting, it seems it's, like. It's crazy because of the, the, of the season that they've had, the ups and downs they had from the beginning of the season, having their coach like let go off of, off of a crazy, just different... T- it's just just wild of, of, of how we look at sports and, and a one or two... Like, literally, like... A game-winning shot can can control a coach's future and and, and families and, and the amount of yeah. money you make. In the, it's just it's just a crazy crazy society that we live in. And yeah, if it, if you get into I don't know, it's it's a lot of luck, it's a ton of luck. But that's what makes it fun. Like not to get philosophical, it's just like black and white. It's like if you win this game, no matter how it happens, you're keeping your job. If you lose it, it's done. Like there's not many other things in life that are like that. But the only thing I'll say, the reason I asked you that, Swider, is I feel like it's... No, I don't want to... I have, like, I know a, a ton of Sixers fans. Um, I don't want to... I'm very optimistic to be positive because if there's anything that this iteration of the Sixers for the last five or six years has showed you, it's just like this is probably just a setup for the worst disappointment of all time. So uh, shout out to them. I apologize. I don't mean to jinx anything. Pat Cos, I don't mean to jinx anything. <laughs> but I think it's like... Last year, the second half of the year, they're by far the best defense maybe ever. Marcus Smart wins Defensive Player of the Year. They go into the series with Brooklyn. They're playing Kyrie. They're playing KD. They sweep them. Everyone's like, oh, Tatum's top three. They're going into this Buck series as, like, complete world beaters. Yeah. They have home court, which they do in this series. But Giannis does his thing game one. But then, like, that series is way more back and forth, I feel like. And the Celtics just seem to have so much more energy. Like, last night... Getting run out like that on your home court in Game Five, I've like never seen that happen to this group. So that's why the only thing, like I don't know if last year's 
Milwaukee series applies as much as people are saying. But now that I'm saying this, they'll probably win tomorrow and then win Game 7, and then the Sixers again will just be like left with another second-round exit, just real disappointing. Well, Tatum has to be the best player on the court for them to, yeah. for them to win. He can't be the second or third best player mm-hmm. on the court. Like Jalen Brown is, is, is an all-NBA-type talent, but Jason Tatum is has to be the guy. You know what I mean? So Yeah, he has to be him, as the kids say. Yeah, as the kids say him. So, uh, so yeah, man, I, I think, like, if Embiid's the best player on the court and James Harden's the third best player on the court, I just don't think that the Celtics have a, have a chance to win. Jason Tatum has to be the, right. the MVP candidate that we think he can be. He has to be that guy who steps up in those big moments and, and doesn't have a bad first quarter or a bad second quarter. Like, he, mm-hmm. he's at the time now where it's like the Celtics, like, they go as far as Jason Tatum goes. Yeah, he's got to put a full de- game, put together, a full game yeah. together. The other thing, you see, this series is a prime example of if you have the best point guard on the court, controlling the pace is just, like, these two are trying to play such contrasting styles where the Celtics are clearly just trying to get out and run because the Sixers aren't great, like, in transition. Whatever, everyone knows that. But I got a, I got a text from a Celtics just, like, fan. slowing the game down. I got a text from a Celtics fan saying that I will never understand James Harden is, t- is lazy, doesn't want to run, and beat is hurt, and we still can't beat these guys. I will never understand. <laughs> it's because they, they just the whole series has been at the Sixers' pace for the most part, except for Game One, which is ironic because Harden just went in and like stole it. Hey, but what about uh, PJ Tucker? The impact that he has, like you need those glue guys. Yeah, that one he hit uh, last night. I mean. That was just a prime example of the Sixers fans just constantly being nervous because, like, I was watching that game last night. They were up 11 with, like, six minutes left, and the crowd starts getting into it, and you're like, oh, they're definitely going to blow this. Something's going to happen. They're going to have, like, six turnovers, and, like, they're going to go on a run. That's basically what they did in game four, but then they came back and and salvaged it. But then, yeah, Maxie hit that giant shot. Um, But, yeah, Swider, you mentioned it. I've always kind of thought that, oh, you need a guy like that narrative was kind of overrated like a basically just a competitive like psychopath who will yell at your best player in between uh free throws when you get an and one in a game four hypothetically like the draymond types yeah where they're just like losing their mind they might get attacked they might get in four fights in a game but as i'm talking about the sixers i i think like the biggest difference between the team like two years ago and this year it's not like they have like way more talent because Back then, that was when Ben Simmons was, like, the best defender in the league and actually good. Yeah. Tucker's just made them take on this persona of, like, no, we can go into this game five in Boston and we could win by 20 because we're better than you, which I don't think they really came into, like, playoff games like that in the past. I mean, if, if you think about just the difference he made in Milwaukee two years ago, right, it's, it's kind of like a similar type of role that he's taken on with the Sixers team. The Heat, the heat last, last year, year, too. You know what I mean? Like, he, he takes on, like, these personas and, and – provides these teams with like this this different type of edge so i don't know i I think that i think you do need one of those guys and if you don't have one of those guys you need a young energetic guy who's who's willing to guard any player on the court that that takes the pressure off um like your top two guys Mm -hmm. yeah like i said i always thought those overrated and just an excuse for if a guy is just kind of being like an asshole but this this is the best example i've ever seen of you actually do kind of need a guy like that um yeah since we since we touched on Lewis's series, I guess we should go to Sheridan. Heat Knicks. We could do a maximum of twenty seconds on this because the series kind of sucks. Look, all I need is twenty seconds to talk about this. First, wait, of all, wait, could you just we'll make we'll make this segment why why are you a Heat fan? Why is that a thing? 
All right, why am I a Heat fan, Pat Casey? I, my favorite NBA player of all time is Dwayne Wade. Even though I was okay. a little chubby Thanks, growing right. up, I still felt <laughs> like I should. You resemble D Wade. Yeah, he was always my favorite player, and I wanted to be like him. So that's why I'm a Heat fan. Prior to the LeBron era, like some people, my friends call me a bandwagon because of LeBron. I do love LeBron, but Dwayne Wade was the player who got me officiated on the Miami Heat. But then, secondly, I feel like I'm a caller calling into the Dan Levitard show on ESPN Radio for how often I come on to you guys' podcast. And and we want to get into my Miami Heat. And the question was faced beforehand, why doesn't the Heat really play like this in the regular season? And coming from a Heat fan, I can't give you an answer. You see Jimmy Butler playing at the level he's playing at right now, but then you look at what he was playing at in the regular season, and Bam was only named as an All-Star. You would think the Miami Heat might have two, three All-Stars right now. There's just something about the playoff atmosphere that gets Miami Heat going. I really don't know what it is. Well, I see Lewis has got a counter going on in my 20 seconds, but <laughs> Jimmy Butler redeems that X factor. He goes to a different level during the playoffs. I think this series right now yeah, could be a, a lot point. closer. But watching the Knicks play, they're not an away team. Their offense is really stagnant on the road. Tibbs wasn't really making the right calls as the head coach. He had a couple timeouts he could have used earlier in the series that he never did. But I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guys talk about it now. But if the <laughs> if today is Wednesday, if the Knicks win tonight, I don't see the series going past six in Miami. I do agree with that. I also agree. I thought it's a great point saying Jimmy Butler's the X factor because if there's one thing that's catching you off guard when you watch the Miami Heat, it's Jimmy Butler being good. You're like, what the hell? Who's this guy? I didn't expect this. That's the X factor. I agree. I agree. Uh, I mean, those guys are obviously very hurt, and that's affected the series too. But I think Miami's a better team, especially in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler is the best part on the court no matter who, who's out there. So Randall would need to be playing at an all-star level for them to even have a chance. So I, I think it, I, I, don't, I don't really see the Knicks win another game in this series. I, I'd probably say Heat in five. Tonight, yeah. I could see that too. Who Do you like? Do you give them a chance? you got to give them a chance against whoever's wins Boston Philly, right? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how if they can keep that level of play up, right? I, I think they've kind right. of gotten a little lucky in these first two series. Giannis doesn't play two games. He comes back, he's like 60%. He, he shoots 10, he misses 13 free throws in, in one of their games. Whatever, like all, all the excuses you could have about that. And then Randall and Brunson are both hurt. They're not playing, like they're not playing up to the level that they were playing in that, especially in that Cleveland series. They were unbelievable, so... I think I think it's a mixture of things. I think going into that that let's say they would play Philly or Boston, can Jimmy Butler play like he did in the Milwaukee series, which is the, he looked like the best player in the league. So yeah, um, it's we'll literally like the best series anyone has ever had. The last series, which we'll cover, our two recurring segments, which are both back for this week. We're doing a little bit longer. This isn't even a pre-show; it's the whole show. So we're doing a little bit longer of uh, riffing with the boys. Thanks to Sharon and thanks to Lewis for. Some good takes. Sharon, that was actually a great breakdown. I was impressed by that. I was pleasantly surprised with uh, with your analysis there. But 
first of which Swatter's mailback question of the week. Um, this comes from Jerry. Yep. McNamara, Jerry McNamara wrote into nice. the show. No, nice. it's not true. No, it's just Jerry from uh, from Arizona, which is fitting because this question is about Devin Booker. So we're talking about Jimmy Butler. The other argument probably for best player in the playoffs so far, you could throw AD in there. Devin Booker probably is who my pick would be because he's just shooting like 110% on jump shots, so... Jerry asked, with Devin Booker going on an absolute tear the past week, averaging over 35 a game on 60% plus shooting, how would you describe that feeling of being that locked in as a shooter? To me, this reads as, uh, in quotation marks, the zone slider. Yeah. I mean, when you watch Devin Booker play right now, he's playing at a obviously a super high level, but I think what's making it more, more impressive is that he does it from all three levels. Like, he can score at the rim, he can score in the mid-range, he can score from three. And, and that kind of prevents you from having a bad game at times because you're so effective from all three levels. I think the craziest part about seeing them play without CP is that those guys finally get the touches that they, that they need to be successful. Like mm-hmm. before, before Chris Paul was getting, before Chris Paul got hurt, like KD wasn't getting like plays ran for him. It didn't seem like he was like really being involved on offense as much as he should have. And he was just trying to fit in. And then people create this narrative was like, oh, KD has to be KD. Like, right. right, I get that. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like, you have to be put in situations and you have to – Katie's not the type of person just to blow up the, an offense just to make sure that he yeah. gets dirty. Like, he wants to win and he can fit in any style of basketball that you play. So, I think Devin Booker's always been playing at a super high level and, and kind of without having CP as the main ball handler, he can kind of go out there and be in the zone and be a, and be the player that, that we all know him to be. Um, and he's obviously played at a really, really high level this series and, and – Honestly, the whole playoffs. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like it's been done. You know, I didn't want to. I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, the two games in Phoenix, they play tomorrow night in Phoenix, too. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. He was like 34 for 42. Like you're saying, he was scoring from all over the place. And, I don't know, he's he, he could be a bit annoying like with like the, the extra stuff, like trying to get in fights and yeah. like all that type of stuff. But you need a guy like that, as we said before. And he's I don't, I don't think he's simul- that guy, though. I think he kind of is. I think he thinks he is. I think he looks in the mirror and thinks that. He wakes up in the morning and thinks that. Yeah. I mean, you saw it with the Pat Bev stuff earlier in the year. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. It's just, it comes down to shot making, Swatter. Just like uh, guards win in March. It's a make or miss league. shot making in the playoffs. It's a make or miss league. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Great take. 
Yep. The other thing, this is uh, the, the, the copycat league that we as a team came up with. We actually have two this week. But the first one is the, uh, what was your take on the Jokic-Ishbia thing? I mean... Sheridan, you want to go first? <laughs> no, so why are you go first? <laughs> I mean, it's tough. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I honestly don't think that he, that he knew uh, that that was the owner of the Suns until like after the game. Oh, 100% did not. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't blame him. But at the same time, you got to be like a little bit better with that whole situation. Like I, I get it, you're in the heat of the battle, and you do things that you, you wouldn't do if you if you weren't. Um, but yeah, no, I think it was cool. Like like pregame yesterday, he went up to him, handed him the ball. Like it was like yeah, that was fun. A little bit <laughs> like pregame. Yeah. So I thought that. I thought that. I thought I think that was pretty. That was fun. actually so fun. I'm just happy that he didn't get suspended and, and he didn't change the series in any way. Yeah, that was the best like uh, outcome of it, but Ishbia holding the ball, and I like I don't understand what the thought process was there. Ishbia, former walk on, so he's putting on for the boys. Yep, yep. He has like I don't know, eleven bajillion dollars. So, Tom Izzo guy. You know, yeah, and then he buys. Some, he was literally acting like he was a player the other day. Like I get it, Okogi was <laughs> was on the ground, but dude, like give the players the ball. Although I do hate the. Uh, when you're playing anyone and they go and like grab it after the whistle, yeah, that's just yeah. a classic. Like you're trying to be uh, like stir something up, but yeah. I don't know. My take was I don't I don't understand why HP was holding onto the ball, and then the flop was awesome. One of the best moves by any owner ever. Um. Yeah, I do have a take. I think I agree. I agree so far with what you and Cole have said. I think the NBA hand also handled it handled it very well. In the fact that Jokic will he'll get his fine, but then yesterday morning when Ashiba he came out and said Jokic shouldn't get suspended. I think after rewatching it from his mind, he was like, "Oh, I shouldn't have grabbed that ball, and since I did, I deserve what I got from Jokic." But then again, what Jokic was saying post game about how the NBA has to protect their players, the ball probably goes into the stands five or ten times a game and usually don't see something that happens with the fans unless not to make any point out of this or anything. You know, I usually see Russ. Russ is going up on the sidelines pointing out to fans with the officials. You don't really see that that often. And the fact that the NBA took it as, oh, Yoke has just got an interaction with the fan knowing it was the Suns owner – and then Ashiba coming out the next day saying Yoga shouldn't have gotten, shouldn't be suspended. And then Cole going off what you said about how Jokic was joking around pregame with it yesterday. I think the situation was handled perfectly. Nothing got out of hand. The NBA didn't set any precedents that they shouldn't have set, meaning if Jokic got suspended because of that. But That's a good take. going forward, a fan presence. I think the NBA should now look even harder at what's going on between fans and players. But then again, you got to know who the fans and players are. It could be somebody yeah. on Slippery Row. You know, it could be someone like an owner. But that's how I feel about it. He 100% would have gotten tossed if he wasn't the owner of the Suns. But to people who are complaining oh, about that, I would say he is the owner of the Suns. That's why you're on mute. Yeah, no, he is the owner, so I, I, I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, man. 
overall, just super entertaining playoffs so far. Really excited for these next couple of games. Obviously, game five tonight, headed, headed there, headed to the arena right now, actually. So, um, great episode with the fellas. Ex- excited uh, for this opportunity tonight to close out the Warriors. Hopefully, we get it done. And uh, you guys will actually know the result by the time we release this. So, um, shout out to everyone exactly. f- for listening. Follow us yeah. on all platforms. Um, like Patty says in the in the outro every single week. So, uh, yeah, appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, we, we apologize. We apologize for the no guests. That won't be, as as you've known, we're through to two episodes in now. I think it's like our third or fourth time not having one. So, <laughs> big time ones planned for the off season. But to anyone uh, questioning our dedication, I'd say to you, Swider is leaving for the arena for a playoff game in three minutes. So, that's yeah. why we're excited to see the fit. Thanks for giving us your time. No doubt. Thank no you guys doubt. for listening. And, uh, Yeah, we'll talk next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms, at Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show, and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, swidershow at gmail.com. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week. Cole Swider Show with Patty Casey is presented by Blue Wire Podcast and our executive producer is Adam Lewis. Swider Show was created by Cole Swider, Patty Casey, and producer Adam Lewis. All rights reserved. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week.